When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Before we moved to Coleman, um, we were still obviously in the mountains of Tennessee and I was out in the woods one day by myself and it was that last year and I knew that we were going to be moving and I I had a foreboding feeling about it because you, you do when you're a kid and you know you're going to be moving your life's going to change anyway it's just a scary place to be in and I, I was probably in the fourth grade about to go in the fifth grade and I was out in the woods in an old swing someone had put a swing in the woods and we had acres and acres of woods and there were all these places you could go and I was just sitting in that swing and it was kind of a dark overcast day like this. So it was kind of dark. It was late afternoon, it was after school. And it was, and I had gone out there before sundown. And we were so used to being in the woods that, you know, we didn't carry flashlights or anything. It didn't bother us. That's how it was in the 1980s. And I heard a voice, like a disembodied voice around me. And this voice said to me, you are a witch and it's gonna be okay. You are always gonna be protected. And I, and I remember feeling I wasn't freaked out or scared, but I, I, you could feel it around you. It's like there was no sound, no birds. It, you could feel that presence. And it said that, and I was like, okay. <laughs> and I, I just sat there and then went home for dinner. So when I got to Coleman and I encountered things later on, throughout the years, I understood what, what that voice had meant. And the fact that it felt the need to let me know very much in 3D land, not not in a dream, to let me know right then and there, look, where you're going is not going to be good, but I got you. I'm Jim Perry. This is Euphemet, a show about the unknown and our relationship to it. This time... The Witch and the Monster, next on Euphemet. Lie below Spanish moss under a southern moon and feel your future. You can forget the world around you. If only for a moment the home of hate, the bigots and the blind ones, they all slip away. What is it to be chased? to be a target, like a beast. The real monster, not what they think it is. It's much closer. The monster is them. 
and I had I had a unique childhood because I was always out in the woods. My best friend was a boy, and we were very imaginative anyway. So we were into we had all like the little Jeffrey ghost books, and we were into scary stories, you know, the most scary stories and stuff. All the little books that we had in the 1980s because we, we we were kids in the 80s. We were kids in the 1980s. The Bell Witch it was, it was so natural because we heard the stories and. It was always an energy that I knew was there. We never doubted it. We never, it, I didn't really so much fear it like I did like other ghost stories we'd read stuff. I always felt like it was very protective. And you know, the story of the Bell Witch revolves around the Bell family over in Adams, Tennessee, which is outside of Nashville. And John Bell was the patriarch of this family. He has a wife and some sons and a daughter, apparently like, He's out in the field one day and he sees it starts. Apparently there's two or three accounts of how it starts, but the most popular one is John Bell is out in the field. He sees a strange animal. He thinks it's an animal. I don't think it was an animal. He sees something like a huge dog, like a black dog with like a rabbit's face. And the legend in Tennessee is it had human eyes. And now John Bell was not a good man. He was a child molester. He owned enslaved peoples. He was cruel to his slaves, the people he owned. He was, of course, a racist. He was friends with Andrew Jackson. And what did Andrew Jackson do? He, he was responsible for the, for the Trail of Tears. Now, if you look at the First Nations, the map of the First Nations of all those people that were there, this was right in the heart of where those people, they were sent from their, their homeland, the First Nations. Andrew Jackson, you know, the legend has that Andrew Jackson visited the Bell Farm and said he'd never visit the Bell Farm again. You know, you, you can find all this online. There's different versions of the tale about, you know, the Bell Witch going after John Bell's youngest daughter, which is not true. John Bell was raping his daughter. And that is the legend that we know that I grew up hearing in Tennessee. He stole land from his neighbor, Kate Batts. He was horrible to his wife. Um, and he shot at shit he shouldn't have been shotting at, <laughs> obviously. So this was the perfect asshole to get his butt poltergeist. And, you know, after he shot at the entity, uh, shit started happening, knocks on the walls, growls, and then it escalated to the Bell Witch being more than one person where there were different shadows and things seen, and then different characters in the community start seeing the Bell Witch, and then Andrew Jackson comes with his men, and they try to chase it away, and it chases them away <laughs> which is awesome i think that modern folklorists all these people who want to carry on the legend of the bell witch they're sugarcoating it they're lying they're not getting the facts and, and interestingly they're all men and guess what the bell witch doesn't like men i think it's just disrespectful to to make this energy that stood up to a man who was a monster, the real monster that no one else would stand up to, to make this energy, this force, the bad guy. When we are all very aware in the 21st century who the monster was. And I personally believe that that was the, the whatever energy is there that people also call the Bell Witch. I, I, I believe I believe that it was, I was a young girl and I think it was watching after me. I've always felt protected by that. Um, and others, I, I think other 
I don't know, beings that you meet when you're lucid dreaming too. I mean, it's, there's so much that we just don't understand. And there's so many names we can give things, the Jinn, the Fae, Goetic Spirits, Demons, Angels. There's so many names and, and maybe they're not all the same thing. They're just different things. So I really try to keep a very open mind. And I think that I, I have, it's pretty much let me know definitively what I could call it and what I can classify it as, but that's not something I'm ever going to tell. I'll take that to the grave. This was not, not that long ago, about five years ago, our older house, someone, our former house, someone tried to break in when I was there. And me and my award-winning personality, when I get pissed off, <laughs> scared this very big guy away. He was a white guy, by the way. And he looked like a serial killer, you know, between the ages 35 and 60. And he was trying to get in to do something really bad. And um, I felt that when I was basically telling him what I was going to do to him if he tried to force himself into my house, <laughs> I felt that presence. Like I, I felt, I felt it like, boom. I mean, it like came up behind me and I was like, oh, I got my backup, <laughs> you know? And, and I just, and, and it, it, it's, it's, I can see how some people would find it terrifying if they had a reason to find it terrifying, but hey, any day it wants to be with me, it can, it, it, it can stay here. <laughs> My family moved back to Alabama, but not a place where we were from. Uh, we didn't move to any, because we're from North Alabama. We moved a little bit further south, a place called Coleman, Coleman County. Now, if you look up Coleman today, hopefully you can find some truth online. Coleman was the seat of the Klan. Everyone knew who the Grand Wizard was. So we went from a place back in the day that was just growing. We lived on a street where we had every type of person that you had in America at that time. And we moved to this place called Coleman, Alabama about the time I started middle school. There's nothing there but people from the town whose bloodlines have been there. And this was a sundown town. Now let me explain what a sundown town was. A sundown town had certain signs that told African-Americans and others that they weren't welcome and what would happen to them if the sun went down and they were still in the city limits. Okay, so they used to brag about that and they had that sign. I don't know if it still is that reported, uh, allegedly that sign was at the Coleman Museum in the 90s and we were never allowed to go to the Coleman Museum. My mother was appalled. I don't realize, I don't think my parents realized they were looking for a good school district. They didn't realize what we were really mo moving into. It, it was so bizarre and so crazy that this was one of the first times I felt hunted and they knew they saw it in me. You're not like us. You're a witch. I would definitely say I'm an animist. I, I, I know that even stones, I mean, come on, we put quartz in, in watches and computer screens and crap like that. I mean, I, I know that things do have energy. I, I'm married to a physicist and he's a biophysicist. And I, I understand that we all have energy that we all give off. And I do identify as a born witch. I didn't become a witch. I didn't take some test at the back of a book that I read. I didn't join a coven or a group. I just, there are things that have happened around me, whether it's been premonitions of things happening, natural disasters, whether it's been, I've accidentally blown out a cup of light bulb. And that's something that is interesting.
things have happened around me and I, I, I know that I'm, I'm some kind of conduit or I'm tapped into something. Going on the etymology of the word, a witch is a woman like me who has been born what she is. And that's, that's historically what we've been called. There's no other word. And that's why I use that word. And I know it sounds hokey because, you know, it's, it's an in thing now. And we don't have a lot of good examples of uh, witches. I think that it's just, it's just your nature. It's, and if you accept it, you practice witchcraft. There are things that you cannot explain away. There, there, you will have anecdotal experiences in your life that logic cannot explain away. And we as human beings have got to understand that. We're basically 3D creatures trying to operate in fourth dimension, to put it very, I'm not a physicist, but to put it in layman's terms. And we're going to have, you know, some glitches. We're going to have some, I call them numinous experiences because I've never had really, truly a bad paranormal experience. You know, all the monsters in my life have been humans who have done really terrible things. There's nothing that's going to crawl out from under your bed or pop out of your closet or out of the woods out here. <laughs> that's, that's going to come get us. You know, if anything, I've made friends with the monsters, you know, what people call the monsters and I know that they've told me to get out of a situation. I know that they've warned me. And I know, for instance, um, and, I, and I use this one because I think people can relate to this, this, this um, incident, or maybe I should say premonition. They, I, I knew my mother had breast cancer before anyone else did. And I told her, I told my grandmother, and she went to the doctor. They called it. She's never had any other bout with cancer. It was called early enough. It's just, it, it's, it's kind of like a knowing and it's an ultra awareness. And whether it comes from within or something's pinging you from outside and letting you know, hey, you know, be aware of this. I think that we need to have a return to sort of uh, animistic appreciation for the natural world, for things and other realms, for lack of a scientific definition. I think that we really need to just it's, it's, it's just being aware. It's being aware that humans are not the only thing. Amber was born a witch in the South. This was her offense. I met my husband in early 2009. And we, I had almost met a couple ways before, um, and we, we were in our 30s. I was 31. He was 32. So we were finally the age where we were able to meet somebody that didn't have children and baggage. And, you know, we, we both were all the way through graduate school. We had professional jobs and we hit it off, knew we were going to be together. Our first date was like a job interview. It was interesting. We talked for eight hours because we had just, I'm someone who I, I, I'm not going to invest a lot of time in dating around and doing that anyway. And I, I mean, my husband's a physicist. He's so logical and practical. Either, you know, he's going to do the math and know it's good or not. You know what I mean? So that's just how it worked with us. I had gotten rid of a lot of the toxic people in my life. Brian's had kind of been kind of hanging out in the background because, you know, it suddenly became cool to know a physicist somewhere in around 2009. <laughs> and, and, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't the overweight kid that they used to pick on a bully when he was a kid. And it started with these friends from childhood 
and this old friend, this old acquaintance who wasn't even a, currently a friend from my childhood, they just went, they, they did not want to see us happen. And one of these friends, wives of my husband's, these toxic friends from his childhood, her family had picked Brian to be their son-in-law for their daughter. So this group was really mad because they were not able to make Brian budge because Brian had me and I was what he had always wanted. I mean, to the T. And these were people that still saw him as that kid that they pushed and they hit and they made fun of and they didn't want him to be the brilliant physicist that he was. He got rid of these people. They had their other friends start to contact me via social media. They even contacted my cousins. They started friend requesting people like old friends from grad school that I'd had. I had one who started sending me subtle threats about one of my cats, who, by the way, my cats are my children. And they got this church on board to say he's with this. Now, Brian never told him I was a witch. They just guessed that, apparently. he He's with this witch. He's with this witch. He's with this witch. And you need to save him. Church starts this, this, this character assassination campaign, this 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 campaign to like save this poor atheist physicist from this this woman this 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 horror Babylon whatever they're calling me I don't know. They were calling us. They were mainly calling Brian. They they it, there was even a car that was not from our neighborhood that kept driving up and down. And I, I thought, am I going crazy? Is that vehicle like really, really driving by my house really slowly every like? I mean, it, it was it was so many weird things that I felt like. I felt like I was, I, I, I'm like, am I losing my mind? I mean, it's, we're in our thirties. We, we pay a mortgage, you know, we have professional jobs, but it all came to a head when this crazy church, they, they actually made physical threats. I had had to contact them. I contacted one woman who kept calling us, kept calling him and said, look, I said very, very professionally. And I actually left a text message to very officially, legally, professionally worded. Please leave us alone. I wish you well. Go on with your life. Do not contact him. Do not contact me. Do not contact my family. If you continue to do this, I will be forced to make a police report or, I, or I'll have to get an attorney. And I just would prefer you leave us alone. And she kept calling me, kept calling me crazy. And also I said, look, you're the one being crazy. I've asked you, please stop calling us. And I just, I kept very calm and I kept saying it like this. I said, you need to step back and look at how you're behaving. I received a phone call that night from her husband or whomever he was, her boyfriend or whatever, and he threatened my life. He basically told me that he would kill me uh, he would, and all this other stuff. And I got very assertive and raised my voice. And I said, I am calling the police. So don't you ever fucking call this number again. I said, I told you people leave me alone. You are not to ever threaten me. I said, I will put you behind bars. And he just kept yelling and yelling at me. And I hung up. I, I don't really know the police department. I call and I leave a message on the police chief's voice. And I said, hey, you know, I'm new to town. My name is this. And, you know, I, I just want you to know that um, this has happened. It's probably nothing. They're just being weird. I kind of gave him a synopsis. I apologize if it's nothing, but I, maybe I'll make a report tomorrow. Yeah, I was so ashamed to even re report it to the police because I felt like it was so crazy. He calls me back, like, first thing he gets in. He said, we're going to take this seriously. He said, this, this, this is not okay. And the cop comes over and he had me almost felt like crying because 
I felt so validated that I, I had all this information to give the police and things I had written down and I, I had screenshot things, um, all these instances, and I had the names of people. And I told him what this guy had said to me. This guy basically told me that there was no way that he could be arrested, that his father was an attorney and he was a veteran and he could shoot me in the face if he wanted to. He said all these really horrible things that misogynists say to women. And, and I told the cop that and the cop looks at me and he's this big, handsome guy. He looks at me and says, okay, so how many of these people do you want me to go arrest? How many do you want to have arrested right now? <laughs> I was like, I was just so happy. Like someone of authority believed me. They, they didn't, they, 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 they believe that this is happening. I think he saw how upset I was, how scared I was. And, and he, he was like, what, what year is this? Why, why, are, why are they saying this about you being a witch? He's like, He's like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, the police, they, they were like, why are these people doing this? I do think, yes, there were other factors as well as to why people labeled me a witch and why people were hateful, but there still was always that something that they, and they would say things like this, like, I, we can tell you're from the devil or you're gonna go to hell or, you know, you're not a Christian or any of this stuff. And, I think in order to understand how I can be that way, you really have to understand the American South. You have to know what it's like here. These people wear Jesus on their sleeve and it is really creepy. Um, I don't think I will ever be able to have any good opinion about Christianity because of the abuses that I've seen. And I am quite aware that there are horrible people in every group on earth, every religion, every race, every gender, every identity, whatever. There's horrible people everywhere. But because of what I have lived through and I have seen in my own life from a child, from Catholics and Protestants, um, the abuses that I've I've witnessed and I've had happened to me, I'm I'm done. I I, I DONE down with Christianity. I, I I keep anyone who's really, really religious in that way at a at a distance. It's because it's just a numbers game. That's the majority here. So it makes sense. That's going to be where all the crazy people are. The majority of crazy people are going to be from that segment, that demographic, because they are the majority. To find something that we don't understand as evil is not only demonizing, but it's, it's, it's arrogance and self-righteousness. My husband and I, we had traveled up to Salem. Actually, we were going to Philadelphia for something he had a conference award ceremony or something to go to and and we made we made a little excursion over to salem because it's the only time i've really been able to go to new england and i really want to see salem i really want to see philadelphia i've never been to new england before and everyone wants to hear your accent when you come from alabama and new england everyone wants to talk to you they can't believe you have a master's degree and you're a woman and you're from the south i'm like well you know we do go to college <laughs> Um, we, we went to Salem and I found the town lovely and the town liked me and I met an acquaintance who was in really big with one of the local covens. And so he was a high priest in this branch of witchcraft or order, but he had a really weird interest in my childhood legend, the bell witch and what I grew up with. And Basically, the, the people who own the land that the Bell House sat on, all that property, it's now a sweeping field, all that property where the old homestead was, where the gravestones of the family was, I guess, can still be located, and the cave, because there was a cave in the mythology too. And the, the, the family that owns that now, it's not the Bell family, they actually made like a little, it's not a theme park, but they made like a site 
where they charge people to go in and see us like a tourist trap. And I just think it's very disrespectful. Uh, and I have my reasons for thinking that. I don't think people should be there. But this, this high priest or priest from this group wanted to explore the cave and wanted to go to Adams, Tennessee and see the Bell Witch home. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I'd do that. You know, because, you know, here I am and I'm not going to, I never told him like, I, I you know, I, I have a relationship with that energy. Like it, it was all around us when we were children. It, it's a protector. It's like a guardian angel. I never said those things to him because it's, it, you know, I didn't even want to go there. He wanted me to join him in Adams, Tennessee. He's like, you can either stay in my hotel room. And, and I said, no, I'm not going to do that. He said, is it because of Brian? Is it because your husband? I said, well, yeah, a lot of it is. He said, but you know, you're married. I'm married. You're older. I'm like, I, I just, he's like, well, it would be okay. I'm like, no, we're not. And I'm like, furthermore, I don't think that anyone should be on that property. I just think that that that's kind of hollow ground. And there's a, there's a big level of respect that you need to have around the, the mythos, the, the legend of which. A couple months go by, I lose contact with him. I kind of just pull a fade. I don't like purposely mean not to talk to him, but I just, you know, time passes. About six months to a year after I last heard from him, and he never could make it to the cave. Whenever he tried to go, there was a reason he didn't get to the cave. I had this dream of, there was a field with the woods behind and the woods were illuminated from within and there was house and it looked like a cabin very much like you know a normal cabin you would have seen around tennessee in that period of the bell witch history and on the porch of the cabin the door was open it was it was it was the lighting was did not come from above it like emanated from like the sides and everything you could tell it was it was almost like another realm you know you talk about going inside the earth or going inside fairy hills or something it, it was more like that i felt even though there was this guy i kind of felt like i was in a bowl or something and that's sometimes how it can be when you're dream walking and you're in one area and i think that was a created area that's the only way i know how to explain it because i can't really describe the physics of it but i was there and this person that i had met in salem the high priest or priest or whatever he was there too, like dressed out in his full regalia. And I was just there in blue jeans and I think a flannel shirt. I could tell it was Tennessee. I mean, I know I know my home state. And I we walked up the little path to the cabin, up the stairs of the cabin, and there was a figure in the door. A tall, taller than the threshold being in a old female form but standing grand broad straight like this. Gray, iron gray hair pulled back in a bun. Now her skin, she was not skinny, she was not big, but she was she huge broad shoulders. She was wearing a dress like what you would think of a prairie dress, but it looked very awkward. It was a dark blue calico. Her skin was like tree bark. It was dark and it was like tree bark and you could tell it was rough like lizard and her eyes were red. And she, her eyes were red and they, they, the pupils were black and they were huge. And she was, this character had the most piercing gaze. And she looked at me and then she looked at him and I thought, ooh, he in trouble. 
he start he starts in saying he's a witch and he's this and he's a really high priest and he's from this elaborate line and they're there to make a I, I don't know a, a liaison I, I don't even know what the hell he was saying at this point but I, I just know that he was doing this whole braggadocious speech and I was sitting down I'm standing there and, and I know I, I recognize how this it's, it's not I don't recognize it from the way it looks because it doesn't look like anything I would peg it to look like right but I, I I know the feeling of that energy that energy is so protected and so intimate to me she, as a she, it's not a she, but lets us in. And there's this old kitchen and old farmhouse sink. It's all wood. And there's even like um, little things hanging on the walls, you know, like the little iron utensils, like iron skillets and stuff hanging out. And we go through the kitchen to the living room. The, the fireplace is so big, it's like one of those fireplaces in hell, you know? I mean, it's taking up the whole wall. It's a huge bonfire in the fireplace. And again, it's like the witch house. Everything is all. The measurements from outside are not the measurements inside. And so we have chairs set up, and she's got the main chair, a rocking chair, a huge rocking chair that she sits down in. She's rocking. And we sit on chairs adjacent to her, like across from her. And he's still just sitting there, just I can tell he's getting nervous, running his mouth, running his mouth. And she looks at me and she says, you're a witch too, aren't you? I said, yes, yes, ma'am, I am. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be here. Apparently I'm here because of him. <laughs> I mean, I, I said something very, very um, simple, yet very, I, I did go on and on. And, and, and I had a very brief exchange with the energy that I knew, I knew what it was even before I knew what it was. And and she said, you're not the same as him. And I said, no, <laughs> I said, no ma'am, I am not. She said, you don't brag. And, and, and she made a point to make that very much a point in front of him. And, 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 and the whole conversation I can't bring back and I can't remember, but there were a couple things she said to him that maybe I should remember. But um, all I remember is he all of a sudden she, her attention went from me to him, and she's that that gaze, that that piercing, piercing, angelic gaze is looking straight at him. And he gets, he freaks out and gets up and runs, just runs out of the room, knocks over the chair. That fire goes up, and and I'm like, okay, so so I, I follow him like where, and I get up and I start to run too, and it this energy doesn't want me to follow him. She grabs me. She grabs my, and of course, when you're in a dream, you can fly when you're lucid dreaming, all this stuff. You know, gravity's not a thing. So she grabs me at my ankles and I'm like this, and she's holding me. You don't, that human, you don't need to be around. <laughs> and and uh, it's like water. It's, it's like, I'm trying to get back to my body because I know I'm there. I can see myself in, in my room, sleeping in my bed. I'm trying to get back to my body. And she, for whatever reason, she's, it's it the energy because it's not she. It's being very careful to keep us apart. And I finally make it outside that, outside that, and I run down and he's already gone. He's already gone. And I'm running down the stairs and I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Because this has never felt like threatening to me, but, and, and it's not, but uh, it's it, the whole thing is terrifying. Like all the visuals that I'm getting and be suspended like that in time, like suspended like this in a lucid dream. She's calmly and I, and she allows me to hear it again, like normal senses, the stairs. 
it is walking down the stairs after me. Okay. And I'm halfway across the field and, it, and it's like in, where you see it boom, like that, like all of a sudden it's at the end of the stairs and it's right in front of you like that. And you're right here and it's right here. It's, it doesn't look like it, but it did. It's taller. It's, 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 it's over eight feet, eight foot tall. And I mean, it has to be. And they're trying, they are trying to look very much appealing. They are trying to look like what I would think of as a dryad because I love trees, you know, and I've always loved weeping willows. So it's trying to look like it's in a billowing dress. It's got long weeping willow hair, normal looking skin now, and the eyes are this beautiful blue. But the face, the face is very structured. The face is very chiseled and the face is, the face is no expression, very expressionless, like no human, I should say human expression. They say to me, in a voice different than the voice it had earlier, because it was that scary voice earlier, they say to me very clearly for me to take back with me. But you came right to me. Don't be scared. You walked right to me. And she was trying, I mean, it, the hands to comfort me. And the weird thing is, is all of a sudden I felt someone else was there in the dream. And it's someone else that I've seen in dreams too, like another, I don't know if it's my own psyche, like an archetype or whatnot. But that other archetype, I guess I didn't know what to do at this point because I actually felt like, a, this was the one time I felt like I was stuck in a dream. I mean, I felt like I was stuck in a dream. And this, this other being, whatever you want to call it, put its arm around me like this and the arm in between us and basically said, just to stop. Because it, it knew that even though this energy was being protected, it, 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 it overwhelmed me. It was like a Lovecraft story. I was overwhelmed at this. I was not in danger, but I was overwhelmed. And I, I didn't know, I didn't know how to get back into my own psyche. I mean, I was, I was going to come apart in a place in a dream within a dream and didn't know how to get the fuck out. And this other being put me like this and all of a sudden I fell back into my body and I woke up, I woke up early in the morning and my feet were about a foot off the bed. Like something had tugged me and, I, and I, I've never slept that way. That has never happened before. We, we, we have a large bed. My husband's 6'2". We, we have a king size bed. We have a huge bed. Okay. We have a large bed. We, we have to. He's 6'2". And I, I'm tall. We're both very tall people. But, but my, my, my feet were, my ankles were dangling off that bed. And, and you know what? I, I just got up and said, okay, okay. That, that happened. I know that happened. I know that happened. I got up and I started writing it down. And that was, and I'm so thankful, even though it was scary being in the dream, <laughs> that I couldn't control. I'm very thankful that that happened. And I, and I would even love to experience something like that again, simply because I know without a shadow of a doubt, <laughs> like if any fucker fucks with me, I know whatever that is has my back, you know? I, I really have to give credit to whatever watches over us. Just don't be so freaked out by the things that you think you're scared of. Look at other people and look at what they're trying to tell you that other people could do to you. And, and I think that that's something, just put it in a different, a different perspective maybe and, and look at it from outside yourself. Maybe, maybe the, what the monsters that the monsters are scared of are really their guardian angels, you know? Humans are the real monsters.
Thank you for listening to this edition of Euphemet. This feature was edited and scored by John McEdward. Thank you to Amber for her story. Amber is a listener of Euphemet, and you can have your story featured too. Reach out at jim at euphemet.com. Thank you, AMC Network's Shutter and the rest of our sponsors. For everything you've met, including how you can subscribe to the show, links to our Patreon and social media, visit euphemet.com. And for even more, check out Night Drift. It's our weekly radio broadcast discussing Euphemet and hosting panels on topics at the intersection of society and strange, Sundays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. This has been Euphemet. I'm Jim Perry. And until next time, keep looking up.